0: we would like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Daryl Smith. On today's podcast, returning guest Marquia McCarty from DC Daily and Tournament of Nerds and a whole host of other cool things, as you'll hear her say on the show, joins Jay Shear and myself to dig deeper into Shazam. This is episode one in our DCEU series, and we dug deeper into the MCU. Now it's time to tackle DC's extended universe. Coming up next week, we've got another DCEU show focusing on the best DCEU film. That's a nerd fight. It's going to be the four hosts of the show, and we're going to battle it out over which one is best. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on that. And also, over at thestorygeeks.com, you can find blogs from Ashley Pauls and Anthony Holder and links to our Aftercasts. On today's Aftercast, the post-show we record right after this one, we are going to rank the DCEU villains. Mark Strong is probably going to be pretty high up on that list. So become a Patreon supporter for as little as $2 a month, and you'll unlock access to all of our aftercasts. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Now let's dig deeper into Shazam. Marquia McCarty, thank you for joining us tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks yeah. for having me again.
0: Welcome back to the show. We talked about a quiet place with you, which, to this day, is still my favorite movie of all time.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, once again, I will say bold statement, yeah. um, but I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you found your favorite. That's yeah. a that's a big deal.
0: I'm okay with making bold statements. I'm very secure <laughs> in my lunacy. He had so. the Dark
2: Knight for so long. I know and it was just like this revolutionary reveal. Like it's now something different. There you know, you things changed. I have kids now, you know, yeah. I have different,
0: different touch points. <laughs> um, Marquia, before we dive into Shazam, why don't you tell people a little bit about DC Daily and Tournament of Nerds and everything that you've got going on?
1: Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, DC Daily is a show on DC Universe. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have the app to actually watch the show now. If you go to dcuniverse.com on the front page, they have a DC Daily where we talk about the comics, movies, and TV um, that you can see on DC Universe. Um, We talk about that. And for two days, it's up for free on the site. And then after that, it vanishes into the app. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but um, I think people really enjoy DC Daily. Run it to a bunch of people that seem to um, really recognize with it. Um, we talk about things like Doom Patrol, which is um, almost at its season's end yeah. uh, and the such. And uh, Swamp Thing is right around the corner. Um, yeah. But, yeah, for some of the other things I'm doing, uh, Tournament of Nerds, um, I'm a judge on that now. So um, with a number of uh, other people's uh, steadfast faves like Mark and Draco. Uh, those oh, that yes. don't know, uh, Tournament of Nerds uh, was birthed out of UCB. It's uh, Hal Rudnick and Justin Donaldson um, have uh, come into fruition. It's it's basically exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: so, uh, and along with that, uh, a number of um, RPG, which is a uh, role playing games. Uh, I'm doing a number of podcasts with that. Uh, Tempting Fate, obviously, the Saving Throw show. I do that on uh, Sundays, so you can always check the backlog for that. But a number of other things, including a, a number of charity streams um, that I'm getting involved with now. Cool. Um, by the time this airs, I would have done um, Jasper's Game Day, which is a, a charity stream for uh, Team Suicide. So, um, yeah, uh, check my Instagram and Twitter. I will put all the links and stuff up there so that y'all can check it out.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So basically, you have nothing to do. Yeah. You're (laughs) you're, you're bored. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's all awesome stuff.
1: Yeah. I have so much time to waste, you guys. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I definitely have been enjoying DC Daily. Oh, Um, awesome. Yeah. It's really fun to have a show to watch every day that talks about the stuff that I love and never had anybody to talk to about when I was growing up. So it's Uh, really fun.
1: I hear you, I was yeah. a military brat, you know, so it was a uh, few and far in between, but when it uh, was us nerds, us nerds stuck together. <laughs>
0: That's right, and now we're cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you have probably already had quite a lot of conversation about Shazam, so we thank you for coming to have more with us.
1: Absolutely, I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a heck of a movie. And it really is. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoy what they did with it. So yes, more conversations. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, let's start there. Tell us what your impressions of the film were the first time you saw it.
1: Uh, sure. I, well, to be completely honest, when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is a DC film." <laughs> 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 I mean, it was it was so wholesome, and it, you know, it made fun of itself in the good way, and you just you felt really good watching it. And then um, at the ending, uh, by this point, I assume spoilers are a okay for absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, with my, you can even make
0: Avengers Endgame spoilers if you want to. I mean, it's it's not applicable, but you're free to go for
1: it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, with like Shazam, I mean, but actually, I I think this might be a really good way to 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 say about how much it means. Um, I there were so many DC characters. There were so many and so many that you like can recognize with and that you follow along in stories. Shazam wasn't really that for me. I mean, totally aware of Billy Batson, you know, um, because he kept up popping up everywhere, really enjoyed him in young justice, for instance, um, and the such, but I wasn't likely to pick up a Shazam, you know, comic book. Well, I guess I wouldn't have really had much of an option <laughs> in the last yeah. what, like twenty years for that. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been my go-to. But now, um, you know, with a uh, uh, Jeff Johns, um, you know, latest uh, Shazam. I believe they're on number five by now. Might be more by the time this this comes out.
0: Yeah. But, and then there's the one he did with Gary Frank. I don't know how many years ago that was. That's the one I bought recently, and I'm in kind of halfway through right now, and I'm loving it.
1: Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, but it's like now I'm I'm invested. This movie got me invested. Yes, it's it's all it's basic. It's the new Fifty Two continuity, you know, right. um, with everything, but it works, and I'm interested. So yeah, Shazam did that for me.
0: Hmm.
2: There you go. What do you think, Jay? I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, we've, we've been doing this for the past six weeks, well, seven weeks, it turned into seven weeks. We've been talking about the MCU, just MCU, 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 everything MCU. Um, mm-hmm. and I have one and only one, by the way, major complaint about the MCU. And it, it pertains to the MCU as a whole, not any one individual movie, but the, I will say the only exceptions to this complaint are guardians of the galaxy one and two, and that is the MCU plays it really safe it always plays it safe like everything the MCU does is like pretty safe like they don't do do any like really risky story like we'll get into it more as I talk about why I think Shazam actually does play with risks and in DC in general plays with risks in a way that the MCU doesn't um and I love that so it was a, it was a really a breath of fresh air to me because as much as I love the MCU it was fantastic to just sit back and watch something that wasn't the MCU and to watch it do what it was doing it's funny it has real emotional stakes and it has a lot of deeper themes that I think that the MCU kind of pulls away from yeah and that's why I mean I this is not even a character that not familiar with this character almost whatsoever and anytime there's like hey this is a this is a kid that turns into a hero I'm like "Eh, I think I'll pass on that but (laughs) this was fantastic I really enjoyed it
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, Marquee, I was kind of in the same boat as you. Obviously, I knew about Billy Batson. I knew about Shazam or Captain Marvel, whatever you want to call him. And um, But the last time I had really read the character was, I guess, a little bit when they did the whole Cry for Justice thing. But before that, it was really the the 80s Justice League. Wow. Oh. Yeah, with like Blue Beetle and Booster Gold and all those mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. And um, just not a character that I ever took super seriously, mm. um, which made me not so excited for the film. Mm. I love Zach Levi. Yeah. And I mean, I was excited for the film, but I wasn't like positive that it was going to be an amazing film, right? I thought Captain Marvel, the MCU Captain Marvel was going to be an amazing film. Yeah. And when everything turned around, I was actually rather disappointed with Captain Marvel. And mm. I thought Shazam was an absolute home run. Yeah, like mm. some of that do you think some of that has to
2: do with expectations.
0: Um, maybe, but Captain Marvel, the MCU film, was just sort of a clunkily told story to me. Is that a word? Clunkily? Clunkily? Yeah, yeah. Well, you said it, so I guess it's a word now. It's as clunkily as it is to say that word. (laughs) And I walked out of that one going, "All right, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I cried when I watched Shazam, Uh, and I walked out of it wanting to go home and see my boys, mm. and I walked out of it loving my family more than I did when I walked in, and. I don't know. It just, it had so much more of an impact on me.
2: See, I feel like that's more of a DC thing. Could be. Yeah. That's just my, that's just my personal take. Besides Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, I mentioned family and Shazam. Historically, even if you go all the way back to the old school comics, there is a Shazam family. Hmm. I don't know that. Well, in a different way, but yeah. In a different way. Yeah. Like, yeah, not, not
1: that foster family like they have in the new 52 exactly yeah but, but there he's he's he he develops a support system even though he's an orphan right you mm.
0: know yeah um so, but family has always been a part of the character and this film obviously family is huge mm-hmm. so i'm just curious about you guys jay let's start with you on this what stands out to you about the representations of family in this film and how does it make you feel about family
2: in your own life Well, first of all, it handles it so well. I mean, there's two really important messages in this film. Um, One, family is of the utmost importance. And two, family doesn't mean biological. Right. And those two things, I think, are, particularly when you put them together, that's a big deal. I was just even thinking, like, my wife and I have had really close friends that we would consider family, and we've had them move away. And it's just like, it just leaves this, like, this gap. You're like, I don't, I don't know what to do now. Like I lack some of the intimacy that I had with people. Um, and it's really hard. So I think it's easy to feel like Billy Batson or even Dr. Savannah. Like, I think it's easy in real life to feel like they feel to become isolated, become lonely. Um, it's, and it can be really hard to make family work, you know, whether it's biological family or otherwise, like relationships are so messy and the more intimate you get with people, the messier it gets. Um, and the, but the better it gets, right. So I love this foster family. It's probably an idealized representation of a foster family. Not to say that there aren't foster families out there that are this amazing. I'm not saying that yeah. I'm just saying there's probably other fam- foster families out there that aren't this amazing, just yeah. like biological families. Same, same difference. Um, but I think it's a really important portrayal of a foster family, which I really, really liked. Um, and I think it was just, it was just a reminder that we need family that they don't need to be biological relatives but we need family um, and they play with that in multiple ways that i find really fascinating that i'm sure we'll get into later but yeah this message was loud and clear and it was a powerful message and i thought it was awesome yeah what about you Markia uh
1: so or like just the heavy focus on family in general with
0: that. yeah and how did it make you feel about family in your own life
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, Jay had some very great points with it, with, um, how it makes you feel, um, with it, with, uh, with this, with, with Billy in general, I mean, comparing it to the comics, like, uh, he, ooh, he was treated dirty in the comics for so long (laughs) with like his origins. I mean, uh, you know just like oh he's a he's an orphan in Fawcett city why oh his uh his uncle deserted him or or it's like oh yeah his his parents died and then way 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 later on oh yeah they were murdered by their friend oh my god you know and and then when you have this i like how i like how it's presented where a family is the family you choose yeah you know? mm. um what they do with this. And you, and you have, you start with Billy on this quest of his, where he is searching for Rachel, AKA Marilyn, you know, Batson. Uh, and, and he's constantly choosing her. Like most of the movie, he's constantly choosing her. And then you, you see where it, it flips, where he starts getting on board with uh, the Vasquezes, and it's like, um, It's like, yeah, it makes you feel so good inside. It makes you think about the times in your life when you didn't realize that you were turning your back on a good thing or like on, Mm. you know, having family that was choosing you Mm. kind of a thing. So I, I really loved that they took that theme so far that at the end he chooses to, to give his power or like to give power to his chosen family. Like yeah. that is absolutely awesome to go from the top of this where, you know, he's a good dude. He's a good little dude, you know, to go from the top of this though, where he stole, <laughs> stole Freddie's Superman bullet, you know, cause he was going to hawk it and, you know, keep on going to like choosing his, his mom, the mom that wasn't choosing him to the end where it's like, hands on the staff, say my name Billy.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it just that that made me feel really good to have that progression where you can see that much growth in a character and it's all good growth, it really is, to realize yeah, yeah to come to that point where you realize the, 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 it's right there in front of your face Yeah. and I, I, I absolutely adored that, this was a really good way it was a feel good way to, to have this entire origin story happen
0: Totally. I, um, it's funny, when we went to see this movie, um, we decided to screen it first, but I was really hoping that it would be a movie that my six-year-old son could mm. see with us. Oh. And I'm glad we screened it first because I think the Seven Deadly Sins stuff a is a little yeah, too scary for him. Yeah,
1: there, yeah, yeah. There's some head biting. Yeah. <laughs> That's you right. Know. I forgot about that. So, yeah. And I don't really want to explain the
0: Seven Deadly Sins to my six-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so we didn't let him see it, but he saw all the trailers and stuff, and he was really into it. Um, so I did something for this show that i've I haven't done before, and I actually got a couple of his thoughts about it mm-hmm. about family, so I'm gonna play that for you guys, yeah, play okay. it and um and we can talk about it afterwards. Hey, buddy,
3: Hi, Daddy.
0: Do you know who Shazam is? Yeah, yeah, tell me about Shazam. He's like a boy and then when he says his name he turns into shazam yeah do you wish you could do that yeah (laughs) yeah and then you would have superpowers yeah what superpower would you want to have well i would like to have to fly you want to fly (laughs) if you had that power and if you could turn into a superhero and you could fly would 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 you would you would you still need your family of course why it's because because my family wants to keep me safe. That's right. Just like superheroes want to keep other people safe, huh? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like yeah. Batman. <laughs> Batman, Like Batman, <that>, right, <laughs> like Superman, like Shazam. Shazam, does he? Oh, yeah, I remember when he, when he, when he, when he just kicked him out of the window. Right? <laughs> the robbery. So what you're saying is... Yeah. Even superheroes need family. Of course. You think everybody needs family? Everybody needs family. (laughs) If you didn't have a family, do you think it would be hard to be a superhero? Why? It's
3: because nobody
0: gets to protect me when I'm protecting other people. So your family helps teach you how you should treat other people, right? Yeah. Cool. Well,
2: thanks, buddy. Welcome, Jerry. All right, I'll talk to you later. Time to go to
1: the aftercast. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: well that's the end of the podcast right, right there. Yeah. We say <laughs> we say.
1: Um I just think everybody should say Batman. I know. <laughs> with that state of excitement. <laughs> uh,
0: it was fun though because I didn't, I didn't prompt him. I didn't tell him what to say at all, and the whole thing about. Somebody protecting him while he protects other people. That struck me because I feel like part of why Billy was able to eventually become a hero is because of his foster family. Mm. Mm. If this had happened to him and he was still on his own, I think mm. things would have been very different mm. and he would have turned out more like Savannah did.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh Can I just put in a
2: plug really quick too before you move on? Because <laughs> I I have to give a plug to this is not even in my notes, but the the kid actors. Oh they're great. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, they're good. Yeah. yeah. Like the minute that that his little sister, his new little foster sister comes on the screen, you're like, this girl is a Adorable, like I, I don't know, like in the way that she, the way that she acts through that too, where she finally is able to like tell the secret, even though she didn't. I'm like, she's like, I'm a good sister. I mean, like that's <laughs> such a great moment. But all of them are fully fleshed out. The kid the video game kid is hilarious, and he's obviously really smart. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Eugene. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah, cool. I just thought Eugene they did Shawn. all did a great job. Yeah,
1: wow. yeah, I love me some Darla, even even Pedro. I mean, he was just
2: yeah. like with his little
0: head nods. Yeah, exactly. Subtle. It's very subtle acting, I like it. <laughs> From what I hear, that's why they're rushing to make a sequel is so those kids don't grow up too much. You know, I turned to my wife
2: during the during the movie and I'm like, dude, because actually we were the only two people in the theater. I go, they're gonna I don't know how they're gonna make another movie, these kids are gonna be old. They gotta do it fast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um
0: J yeah. Go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, no, I was going I was just going to do some more Darla praise. I mean, do it. oh my god. I I want I want her to be a Funko Pop. Um, well, I, they have <laughs> is they have not? grown up. They have oh. grown up uh, well, superhero Darla. Like superhero uh, Darla is one. Oh yeah. Um so, yeah, like but little Darla with her little pups. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm horrible. sure they'll get around to it. <laughs> they
2: have to. It's it's going to be in demand. Yeah. Um
0: we talked a little bit about this, but I just want to touch on it a little bit more. Um, why a foster family specifically is such a powerful context for this movie. Um, I know people that have done fostering. Jay, I know you have a really close friend who's done fostering um, and Marquia, I don't know if you've seen that in your life too, but I'm just curious. Why do you guys think the foster setting is so powerful for this? Marquia, what do you think? Uh,
1: I don't have um, a lot of experience with direct fostering. Um, like like with what I was saying with like being a military brat, I mean, when you are in a different country, like, um, the military is your family kind of a thing. So I somewhat get a general feeling for it, but I don't, I don't know as a foster child would know, but, um, with why it's such like a powerful, um, context for this story, at least for me, uh, it's because it's, it's all about choice, you know? Um, you can be put in a situation that you don't choose to be there. Like uh, technically Billy did not choose um, the Vasquez family. Like he, he did not choose them, but when he was there, they chose him and he ends up choosing them. So with that, I just, we run into so many superhero stories where it is either this lone vigilante that gets there family their family is killed in some way and then they have to go out and become the knights or become vengeance you know type of a thing uh, and it's it's more rare that you have that there is this loving support system that they come from and i particularly love this with foster family where it's like it's not it's not the same kind of family concept that you see in other movies like even other superhero movies like even like hawkeye with his family for instance yeah, where it's like that's a, a loving support system. But, you know, that's also not a foster family. So I really appreciated them having that in this context where it's just like, yes, we have all of these different people from different walks of life that come together and it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. These are the superheroes that you want patrolling Philadelphia. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such a great move.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback off that before I talk about actual real life for a second. Yeah, because I actually don't think that the foster family is a powerful concept until it's contrasted in this film with the biological family. And Marquee was hitting uh, on it, yeah. because Marquee was hitting on it with choices. So when you're crafting, and so this is a writer's viewpoint, right? When you're crafting heroes and villains, one of the most powerful concepts is to showcase the difference between someone who makes the right choices versus someone who, who makes the wrong ones. Yeah, And so Billy's lonely and isolated, Dr. Savannah's lonely and isolated. Am I saying that right? Savannah? Savannah. 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 Um, Savannah. Dr. Savannah's lonely and isolated. But those two characters go on journeys that look very different, right? So they make different choices. In Savannah's case, his biological family doesn't provide any sort of connection whatsoever. Um, In Billy's case- He has Lex
0: Luthor's dad. I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. (laughs) Right? Uh,
1: John Glover from Smallville. Yeah. So he's screwed from the get
2: go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's in big trouble. But yeah, his, his his biological family doesn't provide connection. In Billy's case, he initially rejects the connection that's provided to him, even though that's there. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a powerful message here of not giving up on people who aren't ready to accept your love. Um, now, I know that there's there's such things in real life as boundaries and like this kind of stuff, too. So you, the, you know, that you gotta be careful with that. But this does showcase that lonely and isolated people will a lot of times run away from you and will not connect with you and you might need to spend some time working on them to connect. Right. Um, I thought the the movie did that really well. And it's because of the way that the foster family keeps pull trying to pull him back in that he makes the right choices in the end. So I think that what Mark was keying on into there was like perfect because it showcases, it's not just that it's a, it's a foster family. It's a foster. It's a family that's not biological, that has chosen to connect right? versus a family that is biological, that said, no, we're not connecting. Yeah, And mm-hmm. I think that that's a really powerful message. So I, I really like that. Now, it, when it comes to real life, I mean, I know several families that have done uh, foster care. My brother is actually in the process of doing foster care. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually need to write, to write a letter for him. Letter, <laughs> they, they have all these like, letters of recommendation and stuff that you got to do. I will say that. Um, I don't know because the kids that have been fostered that I've that uh, my friends have done that they've they've been um, really really little yeah and so I, I haven't been able I haven't been able to break down like so how has this impacted you or something like like, like they don't even have the words for that you know yeah I mean? um, so I I only see it from the from the people who are fostering side um, which is only one viewpoint on it and it's not a fair viewpoint on it necessarily it's, well it's one viewpoint let's just put it that way yeah um, and I would say that it's really hard. It's really 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 hard yeah um i think that's why i meant that's why i made the comment of saying i think this is probably like the idealized foster family because the parents are amazing the, there's just enough structure but just enough freedom right like yeah. like the dad gets mad at billy appropriately so yeah <laughs> but also lets billy have a lot of freedom right so you can tell that he's like he loves he he, he when he gets angry it's through it's because of loving billy yeah. it's not because he's he's a dick and he just wants to, you know, go off. Um, uh, but I think that it's pretty hard because there is so much like, like our government's trying to protect the kids, but, but at the same time they can only have so much they can do. And so the families are set up so that, especially in California, it's set up. Um, and this changes all the time. So even as the record, as this recording goes out, maybe it's changed since then, but California likes to give um, kids back to their, biological family over. So I've seen, I've seen friends of mine lose a kid who they were raising, um, a kid who was born addicted to meth. Uh, I mean, like that's, that's tragic. And you're watching, you're, you're watching him like raise this little baby who is just having a really tough time and then all of a sudden they go yeah we're going to give the baby back to the family yeah. and it's and i'm not saying they shouldn't do that i'm not making a judgment call on that i'm just saying it's heartbreaking so well, this is a very hard thing to do yeah and so you said earlier that it was hard for you to fully appreciate
0: the heroism of the foster stuff until you saw it contrasted with exactly billy's yeah. family that didn't want to connect with him that certainly strengthens it for me mm-hmm right up right from the get-go for me almost the two biggest heroes of this movie are actually Victor and Rosa Vasquez yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they're awesome because because, yeah (laughs) and and Victor is played by Cooper Andrews who also plays my favorite character on The Walking Dead so that doesn't hurt either (laughs) (laughs) but um, it hit me because my wife and I have talked about fostering Mm. before and we've talked about adoption Mm. and I will admit that it scares the hell out of me hmm. and for that very reason I don't know that I can handle getting attached to somebody yeah. as a child right and then potentially having that child taken away from me if yeah. I think about somebody taking my boys away from me yeah I can't handle that <laughs> like so I feel and I recognize that there's some selfishness in that I recognize it's not sure. about me it's about helping the children that, is in, that are in need sure sure and so that's why Victor and Rosa are such heroes to me, because they've already crossed that barrier
2: and they've made that leap. Yeah, and they seem to have a pretty stable. They seem to have have uh, a lot of faith in terms of that. They'll get they'll make it through things Yeah, like they seem to have a very resilient family because I know that like uh, when the family that lost this kid, um, this foster kid that I was talking about, when they lost him, I know that my friend, uh, the husband, was uh, he's a he's a very even keeled dude yeah and he was furious to the point where there were days where he was just kind of like breaking down because he had so much anger that like they would take away th- what his perception was being his kid now yeah. yeah um and so i think it just it's it's very i think it's a it's a very heroic noble thing to do To say we are going to bring people into our home who need a family. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, um, how they set up in the movie, Rose and Victor had been through the system themselves. Mm. So it was just kind of like, yeah, to. I, I love that that extra layer to their characters. I mean, I want to spend more time with them. I want like <laughs> a, a Shazam Christmas special. Maybe they can put that on DC oh, Universe yeah. for all go. of us, kind that would of thing. Be epic. You know, <laughs> I'm
0: sure Zach Levi would be all over that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I want I want something like that. I mean, anybody that has a bumper sticker of my superpower is that I'm a foster mom is somebody I want to spend more time with.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was really powerful for my wife and I, when we saw it, we, we actually walked out of the movie and started talking about it a little bit more. And, mm. and then we joked that maybe we should go watch instant family with Mark Wahlberg. And I was like, no, we can't do that. Cause then we might actually make a leap or at least get a puppy or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be too much. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about Shazam's worthiness. So the wizard mm. Shazam spends years waiting for a worthy person until he finally settles on Billy because he does seem to settle. It seems like he's out of options. (laughs) Um, So first of all, what do you think it means to be worthy in this context and in the real world? And then we'll get crazy and ask another question after (laughs) that. But we'll start with that. Jay, what do you think first?
2: Yeah, I I really again, a message that I really like is that um, nobody's really worthy like shazam is looking for a champion who's essentially perfect someone will who someone who will a hundred percent of the time put others first and we know billy's not that yeah. like like Marquia, you just mentioned you just referenced him uh stealing freddy's bullet, mm-hmm. right His yeah. like, like we know he's not a perfect kid like he's just a he's pretty normal kid um, and I think I can, I could even make an argument that if that like evil ball of power, uh, were <laughs> to tempt Billy, I think he would have chosen it. Um, I think he would have taken it, uh, but it wasn't available. Cause, um, Savannah had already taken it. So I don't know, to me, I think that, um, well, and, and just to, just to double down on that point, Billy actually gets worse after he turns into Shazam. It goes to his head. It goes to his head. He gets more selfish. So I think what this movie showcases though is over the course of the movie he becomes close he he gets closer to being worthy of the power and that's I think when you talk about him being able to give give it up to other people he's now saying like oh I not only do I need family but this isn't about this doesn't need to just be about me it can yeah. be about other people as well so um I thought that that was really really cool What do you yeah. think Marquia?
1: Um I think I think uh you know, I think Billy would have laughed at it, the the eye, <laughs> just like he did at the end of the of the movie. Like when you just have like all of these whispering voices. Cause um, you know, no, he's he's not what we would consider to be the absolute perfect good person ever. I think all of us have kind of like a different idea of who that person is, perhaps a Mother Teresa type, you know, kind of a thing. But with with this Um, yeah, I, and this is, this is a fun conversation that I've had um, with a couple of people now where it's like, would Billy have been worthy if he was part of one of those 56 people that, um, the wizard Shazam had, well, let's say interviewed for the job, (laughs) um, before him, or if it literally was because dude was on his last legs and, you know, this was the last person that came into the door um i i feel like billy still would have been worthy um and there's there's a couple of reasons why i think to have that kind of stamina to keep looking for his his mom throughout those different houses i think that takes um because one of one of the things are is strong of spirit pure of heart i think to believe that wonderfully to romanticize a a woman like that so hard for so many years what was it a decade Uh, like so many years that is strong in spirit that is pure of heart it really is and I I think all the little things that we think about with it like him taking the Superman bullet you know yes he did that but then he also um, you know took out and fought two bullies for Freddie, who he had just met you know, kind of a thing. So yeah, 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 no, I think that if, if Billy had ended up in the original 56, then yes, I think he would have stood out for it. I'm glad that the wizard finally found him, you know, at the very end. Uh, thank goodness that it wasn't somebody worse, but yeah, I, I think Billy, Billy is worthy.
0: Yeah. I think he might've been all along too. Um, And I was trying to think why that might be. I mean, we see him contrasted against Savannah, and Savannah runs away from family, and he doesn't seek after it at all, and he just wants power, and he wants to be strong on his own. And Billy spends his whole life trying to find family, Mm. Mm -hmm. um, both of which could be quests that lead you to dangerous places. And I, I come back to the foster thing. I think maybe one of the differences for Billy is he was still... We, I mean, we see him end up with this foster family, but they say in the film that he's been through others. Right, like five or something like that? Yeah. Like that. yeah. So he's already experienced other people attempting to pour into him, right? which Savannah hasn't. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And
1: have you all seen, um, how was it? I think it came out in 2010, Shazam, Superman, The Return of Black Adam yeah you know, they have his origins and that fun right like a, it's like a bunch of uh it's like a dc showcase A bunch of oh, yeah. uh, fun little yeah um so like with that i just really enjoy um billy batson's conversation um with clark kent when when he's like you know i'm i'm trying to be good but good isn't being good to me and i'm like oh my god that is like the perfect <laughs> billy batson thing to say
0: that's uh. true <laughs> what are some things about billy that could have potentially posed a threat to the concept of Shazam. And Jay, I'm going to let you lead off because that that was your question to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. You mean like not being worthy?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it depends. Like, so a lot of this depends on what's the concept, what does the concept of being worthy mean? And I don't think it's explained in shazam as much as it is in the mcu when we get thor like we kind of know what thor what thor's journey has to be for him to be worthy in shazam i think it's a little bit um it's a little bit of a gray area i think that what they're proposing is that the wizard has a mistaken view of perhaps even his own worthiness of holding the power hmm because he seems like he's ex- his expectations of a person who would be able to withhold this power are almost uh, inhuman. <laughs> like, he, like there's nobody on earth that's, that's going to be able to hold this power um, and do it well. And so I think that he, I think it's actually a learn, it's a it's a lesson for Shazam the wizard as much as it is for Billy that it's like, oh now you're the only one left. Mm. And it's not to say that Billy hasn't done some things like Marquia you said like he hasn't protected Freddie right with the with the bullies that came. So there is a glimmer there. There is a there there is something there with Billy that has a lot of potential. And i think he's at least not running out and robbing banks yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so the question is what does it mean to be what does it mean to be worthy um and i don't think that, that i would say that that's a that's a little bit of a gray area in the film for me i don't think that they define that very well
0: yeah what do you well, think Marquia?
1: i think well i think uh also you know think about it i mean all those other people that um the wizard spell had Bringing, um, bringing them into uh, the rock of eternity, into in, into the lair, bringing it mm-hmm. into the lair. Um, I think also maybe the spell, and I'll, I don't have anything to back this up, but I think also <laughs> the spell probably grabbed those people at the most good point that they would ever be in their lives.
3: Mm.
1: I think that it did that. And I think with Billy Batson at that point being um, in an environment of that group home with that foster family after he'd been in all of the others and the possibilities that could come with him being in that place and having just, you know, taking out those bullies for someone that he barely knew. And, you know, it was kind of weird to him. I mean, the opening line was what Romans brush your teeth with urine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. first impressions you know um, so I don't know I, I like the concept that that spell grabs somebody at the most good that they're going to be in their lives some people are going to be older than others because they have more to go through and and yes maybe because the wizard was on his last legs you know it grabbed Billy sooner maybe he'd be better um, if he had been older kind of a thing but he was enough then because of the circumstances uh, that were in his life so, I, I like a, to think of it like
0: that. That's a fascinating concept if you think about it in terms of savanna and mm. tragic. You know, yeah. Yeah. if that yeah. was the moment that he was going to be best, <laughs> the best, yeah, when he yeah. was so young and like that was like the last straw of his p- family driving him into darkness. Yeah, yeah. I do. Lo- I do love. Well,
1: hey, that- you know, he he grows up to be Sinestro and Green Lantern. So <laughs> I know, that's true. That's <laughs> true. <right. laughs> that's right.
0: Which we can talk about because that was the one good part of that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, one thing I will say that I think is instrumental to the premise of the film. And I'm gonna get into this later too, but um, that, Marquia, yeah, you brought this up. Billy is constantly in search of family, whereas Savannah, Savannah, I keep wanting to call him Savannah, um, <laughs> Savannah, Savannah is constantly in pursuit of his own selfish desires at the expense of family. So, uh, so even, even if whether or not he's worthy when he actually gets the power, it's the journey that he goes on after that. That's the instructive part of what the filmmakers are saying is the premise of the entire story. So it's, it's really fascinating. It's really cool. Handled well. So we keep talking about, we keep talking
0: about worthiness. We keep talking about the power. We keep talking about the ability to wield power. So I have to ask. Could Billy Batson wield Mjolnir?
2: So <laughs> <laughs> the quintessential question. So
1: you're basically asking if, uh, well, Billy Batson or Shazam? Well, I know they're kind of the same person, but I feel yeah. like he's got two chances at it there.
0: I know. So. I don't know.
2: Obviously, we're never going to know anyway, but <laughs> 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 these are the weird questions we like to ask. <laughs> well, this is funny because I've been I've been not arguing. I've been putting out on Twitter my opinion about cap or a cap wielding millionaire. Um, and I believe that cap has, has since he, before the superhero serum has always been worthy. And I say this because it, that Thor proposits that millionaire will be able to be wielded when someone is focused on being a leader that other people want to follow. Cause Thor thinks it's all about his own power. That's that's the whole concept of the movie of Thor. It's all about me getting more powerful. And it's basically about deconstructing Thor to the point where he understands, oh, the only reason I would need power is for other, like on other people's behalf to help other people out. That's the whole point of this, right? Well, Steve Rogers does that before the superhero serum when he jumps on the grenade, yeah. Like, that's that's the embodiment of him saying, like, no, you guys are more important than me. I'm diving on this green. I'm leading this. I'm the smallest one here, but I'm going to do the right thing despite that. Right. So, I think that Billy, near the end of this film, is pretty close, if not able to wield Millionaire because he's leading a family. He has, he's giving up, he, he, not giving up power necessarily, but giving up the opportunity to help to other people um that's an embodiment of what thor is supposed to be by the end of thor but at the beginning of the film no i mean i don't think i don't think he'd use it for the right reasons and we see him misuse the shazam powers yeah yeah uh, and so i think that he'd probably not be able to wield it then
1: yeah, yeah. I, I could see that but i, I doubt that uh, even thor was completely cool with his powers all the time i mean yes we know that he doesn't become worthy and then he does become worthy. But I think, um, you know, in that in between time, he probably misuses power. Some he was flying all around the universe, um, you know, looking for infinity stones and trying to figure out that whole nightmare thing with a Ragnarok, um, happening. So I, I, I don't think lightning from my hands, lightning from my hands makes him unworthy. Um, and, and he comes back around to it. So I don't think, um, I don't think, I think, uh, worthiness is, is more than a couple of bad decisions. It's, it has to do with heart and strength and spirit. And I mean, strength is in um, character, strength of character mm-hmm. um, more than, you know, strength of self. So I think um, uh, Shazam becomes worthy of uh, wielding the hammer when he shares his power with the foster family. I think at that point he has become worthy and he could pick up the hammer before then. I'm not so sure. Uh, Billy Batson, however, oof, that is a really tough conversation because then it's also like, um, I have to get past my own bias of that it's a child, you know, yeah. and anybody mm-hmm. else that we've been in, you know, conversations with like, oh, who could pick up the hammer have been adults or close to adults are superheroes already in a certain sense or villains that, have turned into superheroes um, so Billy batson since he was worthy enough to be chosen for Shazam um, I feel like maybe Billy at 17 would be able to hold the hammer
3: mm.
1: like with like young justice how he kind of mm. starts in I think he gets his powers around seven at the very very beginning or uh, they might clue in to him when he's 10 and then near the end he's 17. So
3: Yeah. I think Mm. by
1: then, by then he's he's earned it. Mm. Possibly. (laughs) But that (laughs) one's that one's so iffy.
0: I don't have anything that I just I love that we just talked about that. <laughs> I, I would love to, I do think that Victor Vasquez is worthy of wielding wielding Mjolnir for sure, Aww. and I would love to see Cooper Andrews playing as guardian. I'm just putting that out there right now. Oh, who well, needs to be in the MCU? Let's if we're
1: gonna happen. go down that route, then I think Alfred could wield it.
0: Oh
2: yes, <laughs>
1: Alfred is awesome. He's like oh, yeah, he's the dude. greatest Alfred mom ever. Sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Alfred would be the best Thor, <laughs> dude. Michael Caine spinning that hammer around—that'd <laughs> be awesome.
0: Um, okay, back to DC. Well, like Alfred's DC, but back to this movie. Um, so the film doesn't begin with Billy's origin story, but rather Savannah's. And to me, that seemed like a really powerful choice to the story. Um, Marquia, what did you think of that choice, and how do you think it affects the story for you?
1: Um, oh yeah, definitely. This- Super powerful. Um, as far as I know, we don't get uh, uh, you know, Thaddeus's origin story in the uh in the comics. You know, he's he's kind of like this um this cackling mad scientist. Would be yeah, a good he's way. like the like, classic
0: mad scientist. Character. <laughs> like,
1: oh, I would have gotten away with it too. You'll see me again. <laughs> you know, um, or he was like a I think a businessman and part of it, but he was not. You know, Mark Strong. You know, smooth and suave, ice cold, you right. know, type of a thing. Um, I thought it was extremely because because you're with Shazam. There's the the audience that is going to see it. You're going to have fans and non-fans. With that, you're going to show Billy Batson's origin because you have to because the 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 movie is named after him. That's going to happen. Um, and then for fans, they're already somewhat familiar with it you know they've they've read um uh the new 52 at least um continuity Mm -hmm. um and they're they're aware or they've seen it in young justice and so they they get it that way um so starting with um thaddeus's uh dr savannah's um uh, origin story not only is it giving fans and non-fans something new where it's like hey we're going to show you the villain and then from his point of view and why he basically reversed indiana jones his life <laughs> <laughs> um to like find these baddies and so that he could find power and i i like that i like it when our villains get humanized and then it can kind of be like well which one would I be? Would I be a Billy Batson or would yeah. I be a Thaddeus? So mm. I like that.
3: Mm.
0: You mentioned previous versions of Billy and it made me think of the old 70s Shazam TV show. Oh, the, which, wait,
1: wait, it was the New Adventures of Shazam? Was that Yeah, what it was
0: about? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you can, it's on DC Universe. You, you guys can go watch it now, but it is, I went back and watched some of it and it's, Oh man, it was such a different time. It's (laughs) precious. It's precious. He's tooling around with a mentor in a a Winnebago. (laughs) That's how they roll. And his mentor's name is Mentor. (laughs) That is his name. Hey, if it ain't broke, I know. (laughs) And there's a scene in that where the story is all about like this teenage girl who's getting mixed in with the wrong boys and stuff like that. Uh And so they kind of help get her out of that, but she needs to get back home. And so you have this old dude with his teenage kid that's hanging out with him. He says, hey, come get in our RV. We'll drive you home. And it's like, <laughs>
2: yeah, no, don't Different get in time. Yeah. Different in time. Different time. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. My name is Mentor. I was jumping in the RV. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: sir. I'm good. <laughs> uh, sorry. I derailed that.
2: Jay, talk about starting with Savannah's story. I love that it starts with Savannah's story because here's why it, means that the story is committing to a premise. So every work of art, every story, I should say, has a premise. And we're going to explore that premise as an audience. And this is to me when I talk about the MCU and the MCU playing it safe. This is what separates the DCEU from the MCU, in my opinion, the DC, this DCEU consistently explores deeper premises. Yeah. So Man of Steel for me is a 10 out of 10 until the God battle at the end. Why? Because it has a super compelling premise that it sort of throws out the door to have a God battle, right? Mm-hmm. But that beginning, the beginning, 70% of that film is amazing because it's dealing with a really intense premise. The premise of this story of Shazam is uh, family conquers, loneliness, isolation, and addiction. So when we don't have deep, intimate connections, were lost to our own vices, quite literally in this case, the seven deadly sins. Right. Um, so when we open ourselves up to intimacy, we can beat back evil and not let it devour us. That's a crazy, awesome premise. And one that's very deep and really interesting to dive into. So I, I love that we see now getting back to the reason that opens with Dr. Savannah, um, is that we see both sides of that equation. We see it both from Billy and Dr. Savannah is in a, in the way that we see it is essential because it means the writers have committed to the premise yeah. to playing it out in both characters. So it's not safe to commit to exploring a premise that deep because you can really screw it up or you can have people go and be like, I don't like this movie because I don't like the conclusions that it comes to whatever, whatever you decide on. Um, but I think that here the DCEU is committing to it, um, in a way that like Pixar would do, like it reminded me of a Pixar film, right? Like this is a deep film, even though it's like kind of for kids, it is a deep film. Um, and I just think it's great because at the end of the day, we can sit around a table and say, this premise is important. It's not just entertainment. It is entertainment and it is hilarious. And there's a lot of great scenes, but there's more than that going on here because we're we're now addressing societal and cultural values. Yeah, And I love that. So this, is, I think that's why you have to showcase the two characters. So the fact that it starts out with him is like, you're, I'm gonna take you on two characters on a journey, both exploring the same premise, but from different choices being made and different angles. And then you get a really compelling exploration of something, which totally. I think is really cool. Yeah.
0: What did you guys think about the personification of the seven deadly sins,
3: That's What do you think? So cool. You know? <laughs>
1: I, mean, I I uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, each of them kind of had his own like little personality with like, oh, he, was it a ugly little envy? <laughs> 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 you know. Um, I uh, when I watched it the second time, I like noticed that they had the. The names like carved onto the like pedestals i had not noticed that um, um. the first time um and then when like when you um look in like taking it back to what what i said before shazam and superman return of black adam where they had the names carved in that you know but it was things like selfishness you know like mm. you know breaking it down a bit more for yeah. kids kind of a thing So, um, but I thought having that whole swirling thing, they live in his eye. That is so peak supervillain. Like only a supervillain would be cool with that to have, (laughs) to have these like
0: goblins living in his head.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. And have those, uh, whispering like, Oh, that's, that's just, I, I like that because it was, it was creepy. Uh, they were incredibly threatening, and I really enjoyed the way that they fought. Like mm. when they're um, in the the carnival, like the the little the street fair, the with the Ferris yeah. wheel, and uh, Shazam is trying to uh, fight them, and then it turns into smoke and then grabs him. He tries to fight again, turns into smoke and grabs him. I'm like, yes, because you know what? If I was that baddie, that's how I would fight. I'd fight smart. Mm. Mm. You know? So I, I enjoyed I enjoyed them fighting smart. I enjoyed the, the um personification of them until it got to the point where, okay, it's time for them to get beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: They said on the Empire podcast that they thought that lust should have been hotter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I they said that in the movie too. Did they really? And, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, right. He yeah, where it's yeah. like I thought I thought lust would look a little different or that's something like that. That's right. No, oh, that's I think right. I think because it's, because it's an evil sin, um, I think it would want you to think that it looks, you know, different and we would want for it to look different. Like, you know, depending on your, uh, what you're sexually attracted to, to be like a really hot version of that, um, kind of a thing. But no, I think it should be like the others twisted and evil. And it's just waiting to get its claws into you so it can turn your mind.
2: Yeah. Hmm. What did you think, Jay? I, I agree with all that. I, I think that all that, um, definitely worked. I, there's, there's one other thing that I love about the concept. And then there's a couple things that I think are a little bit off about the concept. But the, the first thing that I love is that, um, I've seen studies. Um, so I haven't studied this myself, but I've seen studies that showcase that loneliness and isolation are the impetus or can be the impetus for addiction. Mm. Um, and so I think that that takes the exploration of this premise even deeper. Um, because you have Billy who could become addicted and could possibly even become addicted to being Shazam himself, right? Like, like yeah. that he could want to be that, but then further become isolated in that. But also that, um, that, the, that Dr. Savannah has actually gone down that path already and yeah. has the embodiment of those addictions in him as yeah. he searches for this power. So I think that that is really cool because, um, it, he's driven to the seven deadly sins based on his isolation and based on his choices to reject connection. Um, which I think is really fascinating. And that's really, really deep. It's a really deep cut to go, to go there. Um, a couple of things I think that, uh, I don't love as much about the concept and now I'm going outside this particular complaint is outside the realm of the, what the movie is saying. So mm-hmm. it's not really fair. It's maybe more of a complaint about how the our 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 cultural concept of the seven deadly sins because the seven deadly sins uh comes from a catholic doctrine based on the interpretation of the bible um but technically like it's not in the bible like, that, like that's the interpretation on top of what's in the yeah. bible so uh i think what happens when we talk about the seven deadly sins is that i think because of the name of them and because of the emphasis that the, that religious organizations have put on, um, morality, specifically sin. The problem I have is that I think we, we hear the term deadly and we hear the term sin and we think like these sins are going to prevent you from having a connection with God. Hmm. And I know that that's a deep cut that the film's not really addressing, but I, I think that the problem is, is that it's not using them in a way that feels like it's it's almost deep enough. It feels like it's just kind of throwing them out there because it's culturally context. These are a dangerous thing. And if we embody it with demons, like you'll just, you'll just go with us on it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not sure it's, I would love to see like, you know, I don't know, Zack Snyder get his hands on it and see what he would do. Cause it would be <laughs> yeah. like crazy, you know? Like, oh, wow. This is, now this is really getting interesting. Um, just, just to play, uh, just to, just to throw out another movie that I thought used the seven deadly sins better. It was the movie seven, oh. um, which obviously this movie is not made oh. for the same audience that seven is made for, Yeah, exactly. but in that movie that showcases like the kind of person who misinterprets the doctrine itself as a like as being a morality thing that then god wants to extract vengeance like so it's totally wrong it's getting the thing it's getting all of it totally wrong and i think that's more interesting to me because i go oh this is like a psychopathic look at what someone who really starts to embrace this doctrine in the wrong way like looks like um and i'm not catholic so maybe you can come back at me and say like no you're getting it all wrong but like that's (laughs) that's just kind of my take on it the second issue i have with it Is that the execution is just a little off. So I love all the things that Marquia said that like Marquia, you're totally right about all that stuff that like came off really well. Um, but my wife and I were talking about it. And one of the things that she said was it'd be more interesting if they were almost more insidious as opposed to like monstrous, like instead of being monsters, they were like, they were, they were getting inside people and like, like sort of, uh, having them start to, uh, behave in different ways. Mm. Right. And the movie doesn't have time for that. It'd be like mm-hmm. an end game yeah. length movie yeah, if that was yeah. to happen. And she even said, my wife even said, like, well, that'd be like way more of a daredevil the TV show approach than it would be for this movie. So I don't think that that was totally right, um, but I agree with her. Like, that'd be more interesting. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, I did feel like it was, I wasn't sure what they were trying to do with the seven deadly sins and the audience group that they were trying to reach because like you like you mentioned like your son couldn't watch it right yeah but it also felt like a couple times where they felt a little bit more like ghostbuster-y yeah um so gremlins yeah 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 yeah. so it's kind of a weird it almost was like it, and I think they're doing that because it was also a comedy and it was, and it's hilarious, it's yeah. really, really funny throughout the entire movie. And so I, I just wasn't sure about the execution. It just left it a little bit for me to be like, so the, like in theory, I'm like, well, I got some problems with the theory and then, and then, but the premise wise, it's great premise wise. It's great theory. I'm not, I'm not sure. And then execution is, is hit and miss to me. I think the one thing I would have liked to
0: see is if maybe they were a little had a little more influence on Savannah himself. Yeah, because it feels like he could really control them, like they were his pets. Right, right. You know, and I would love to have seen there be some risk for him associating himself mm. with the seven deadly sins, like right. just on the brink of losing control, right, and suffering big time himself. Exactly.
1: Oh well, he he was going to like when uh, they were in. I just refer to it as the lair now yeah. because that was, that was so well put. Um, well, when they all swarm out of his eye or standing in front of the, you know, the seats of power that they're prepared to like sit into and you have, uh, you know, Dr. Savannah, Savannah there um, looking Shazam in the eye and not really looking at these monstrous beasts that are around him. And in that moment, you totally know that they've been in the driver's seat the entire time. Mm, that's and true. and. And then Shazam even tells him, he's like, dude, they're running you. I can see it. I don't know why you can, you know, maybe because uh, they had one of his eyes. <laughs> so it's like they've, they're because they're nestled in there. Um, we don't know. Maybe they're like whispering all those things to him that entire time. And, you know, God knows he's getting a power trip, you know, being yeah, able yeah. to finally do finally have this goal that he had been denied as a kid when he was told that he was not worthy. It's like, well, look who's worthy now. You know, that kind of a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think he was being ran the entire time.
0: That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Let's talk about something a little happier than the seven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Markia, I'll start with you here. Let's talk about the Marvel family. And at least that's what they're called in the comics. But, um, Just talk a little bit about the significance of Billy sharing his power with his brothers and sisters, and is there one of them that you can identify with more than the others
1: um, well i uh, well the significance of it I mean uh, obviously is uh, well in my opinion with him. It's kind of like if he's a main flow of power, it's kind of like, I don't know, it'd be a good, like sand or like a river. And then he splits off these tributaries, you yeah. know, for, for his family. And then when you think about his power set, you know, um, was it a wisdom of Solomon, strength of Hercules, stamina mm. of Atlas, power of Zeus, courage of Achilles, um, speed, speed of Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. And then you see it at the, at the end of the movie, you know, where, Each of them, obviously, they still have the, you know, it looks like they have the same power sets as him, but with, you know, um, a tweaked difference, like you have Darla or like Megan good. (laughs) So you have Darla (laughs) where she obviously has a speed of mercury where it's like, Oh, you've got hyperspeed, you know, um, you've got Eugene with his (laughs) who Yes,
3: that was cool. Yeah. That was awesome.
1: So I'm like kind of wondering, is that a power of Zeus type of a thing with that, you know? Um, and and I you could keep on breaking it down. Strength of Hercules. I mean, look at Pedro Pedro yeah. when he was uh, with the Ferris wheel. I'm not saying that all of them don't have strength, but I'm saying that it's more amplified, um, possibly in him, or more amplified in, in Darla's character. And I think yeah. that's you know, I think I think that shows uh, you know, going back to uh, strongest spirit. Um um uh, of spirit and power of heart. I think I'm, I think I'm twisting stuff around now, uh, strength of heart, power of spirit. Y'all know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah, I think, um, it comes back around to that, to be able to share that power for him to, to do that. I mean, it's just this continuing theme that they really hammer home at that point. Um, so with, with Billy and with, uh, uh the Shazam family are, uh, uh Shazamly
3: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> yeah, um with that, I don't know the one the one that I I don't know who I would really identify with the most. I mean I love Darla and that hyperspeed thing and just how how wholesome she is when she sees Santa that's like amazing but then <laughs> but then you have Freddie who's been reading comic books all his life
3: mm-hmm.
1: finally has that superpower and it's just like oh, what am I going to do now? I can do all the things. I mean, out of those two, I'm more of a Freddie than I am a Darla. Love Darla, want more Darlas in my life. But I think I identify with Freddie when it comes to that.
2: Mm. What about you, Jay? Jay? So in terms of the, the Marvel family part of it, right, I, I dig it for several reasons, most of which we've already talked about, but just to reiterate them, one, it showcases that he doesn't need to be the center of attention anymore. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole thing he's been struggling with, with being Shazam, he's like, oh, I need to give this up. And of course he gives it to his family. So it proves he's changed. Yeah. Um, proves he's worthy of millionaire. Uh, <laughs> two, it proves that it lives into the premise. So he can't defeat the seven deadly sins without intimate family members. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea that, again, if that's what we if that's the cycle that we fall into, if we're isolated and, and, and alone uh, and lonely, then what's the opposite of that? Well, being an intimate connection and he beats that. Um, and then so then three, the antithesis is the villain who is going it alone um, and he's doing it because he wants more power. Uh, the seven deadly sins can only operate through him because of the, the thing in his eye. And so I think it just, it just proves out the premise really, really well. Um, and I just, I dig all of that. So, and then as far as a character goes, I would love to say like Freddie, because Freddie's awesome and I think he's like, <laughs> but I would not be Freddie. I would be Mary. I would be the oldest sister. That's the, that's, that's who I would embody. Yeah. Uh, trying to do the responsible thing and then like gathering up the family to like, Hey, we gotta go do this other thing. Like I would be that character. So yeah. Yeah. Which is not a problem. She's an awesome character. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, what a lame character. I'm just saying Freddy's the most fun of all time.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, I hope that if they make another movie that we get to see a lot of Mary. Yeah. Because Mary has been in the comics, Mm -hmm. you know, most of the family are, was it in the new 52 that like Pedro and Eugene and Darla were sort of brought in?
1: Um, I believe Darla was there before, um, like she was Darla Dudley. Um, I I believe that was before 52. I know that Freddie, um, only became foster brother in new 52, but like before that he was still there. He was like Captain Marvel Jr.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: He was still like a friend um, of it. And then, um, with Mary, trying to remember, I know that she was there. It was Mary Broomfield, I believe was, was her, her whole thing.
0: Yeah. There's been versions of Freddy and Mary since hmm. way 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 back when when Shazam was first created. Hmm. And Mary even had a string of time in the in the comics where she was sort of the only Shazam character. Oh, no in way. the comics and she was the center of attention. So I would I I I think there's a lot of cool storytelling to be done with Mary in the future. Exactly. But anyway, um I when I saw um, you've seen Avengers Endgame, right, Marquia? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> when I when I was watching the portal scene in Avengers Endgame, mm. it actually for a brief second reminded me of seeing the Marvel family reveal when uh, I was watching Shazam. Yeah. Because I didn't know what they were gonna try to tackle in the Shazam film right. and what they might save for potential sequels. Right. So I didn't know if they were going to go as far as to actually bring the whole family into it and give right. everybody the powers. And when it came to that scene and it became obvious that that was about to happen, I leaned over to my wife and I was like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. <laughs> did she know what you were talking about? I don't think she did. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what, Daryl? Well, I didn't tell her ahead of time because I didn't want to ruin anything yeah, yeah, for yeah, her. Yeah, but yeah. but um, yeah, so there was that was certainly a giddy moment for me. Like yeah. I was really excited about it.
1: Yeah, I I had the feeling that they were going to do it. And then when they did it, it was so much more. It was so gorgeous.
2: Yeah, I thought what I was shocked by. I don't know if they used any sort of CG or anything. But the older actors looked just like the younger actors. Yeah, (laughs) they really did. And there's
0: some if you look at the past of potential DC films that could have happened in the past. Yeah. There's some really fun, and it's actually technically it's coincidence, there's Mm -hmm. some fun coincidence in this film. So you have DJ Katrona playing the superhero version of Pedro. Yeah. And you have Adam Brody playing the superhero version of Freddy. Mm -hmm. Both of them were cast in George Miller's Justice League Mortal film. Really? Which never got made. Yeah. It was in the 90s. And um, DJ was going to play Superman. Oh, no way. And Adam was going to play The Flash. That's cool. And so, and it, from, I heard a a podcast that was like a spoiler special, diving into the behind the scenes on this, and it was a total coincidence. That's crazy. Like they did not seek them out to sort of give them justice for never getting to make their, their Justice League did. movie. Yeah, that's crazy. They just, it just turned out that way. That's cool. Which is really fun. I think I'm probably with you, Marquis. I think Freddie is the one that I would kind of identify with too, because. You guys are the characters that I wouldn't want to
2: hang out with, so I mean,
0: well, that's yeah, why I'm I mean here. I I we'll identify you your superpowers, with superpowers, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I identify with kind of living in the in the fantasy world and then being so excited at suddenly you can fly and you can explore <laughs> the stuff that you've yeah. been reading about, you know. But I, I I think maybe I'm also kind of there with Pedro mm. of kind of being the anti social quiet one Mm -hmm. and then really getting to sort of come out of my shell if I get to realize Mm -hmm. these dreams that I've never told anybody that I have you know Mm. I think that'd be cool Um, I just got one more question for you guys so this episode is the first in our four-part series on the DC films so I'm curious how you guys think or how you hope that Shazam will impact the DC films going forward what do you think Marquia?
1: Oh, uh, well, what do I think about how, or how I hope that uh, Shazam will impact DC films going forward is that I really hope that, well, I, I feel like DC has gotten the note from fans where it's like, we want these, these films that can exist. You know, we're aware of the bigger universe, but we don't need for everything to be connected. We yeah. like having that genre flavor when it comes to each one. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the second wonder woman where it's like, it's going to be eighties. I want it to be all the way eighties. You know, (laughs) I, I require that I need that, you know, that kind of a thing with, um, with other films that they have, you know, coming out on the slate, I just hope that they give them their own personality. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, 150% dark and gritty anymore. You know, that, that had its place, you know, it did its job. We are here now. So, you can uh, progress into other kinds of films. So I really, really enjoy that. They did that. Like I said, at the very beginning of this podcast, when I, when I saw Shazam, I was like, I can't believe this is a DC film <laughs> <laughs> because you, you, you had expected a certain amount of grit and then they're like, Hey, yeah, 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 we can do grit. We've done grit and you've reveled in that grit. And now here's something different. So yeah. I just, I, I love them uh, flaunting their other feathers because now DC is a peacock to me and I love it what
2: do you think I'm I'm in a in pretty much agreement on that I I we have an MCU I realize that people see dollar signs when they see the MCU I don't need a lot of other extended universe stuff where everything's yeah. connected and everything has to be. I love the way they did it in this film, where it's like you know Superman's gonna show up at the end. We, <laughs> we don't even see his face. We don't even see his face, you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like then in the in the in the end credits is they're they're going through the notebook and there's all the drawings and stuff and you see some of the other characters. I love that that we know this character does exist in this universe. Do I need to see every single other character operating in that same universe? I don't. And, um, and especially because like Marquis is saying, like it gives them a chance to do different kinds of films. The MCU basically is doing, it is my opinion, but the MCU is doing a very similar film over and over and over again. And this time, and then basically what they do is they say, I mean, For the most part they say here's another white male character now they're just finally getting around to saying like okay now here's a female character but they're not doing anything drastically different with them and i'm not putting that down like that's great yeah they have a great system i love the system i will enjoy the system going forward i think dc has the opportunity to say Yeah, we don't care about that system. We have our own system. We're making our own movies. They all exist in the same universe, but they don't need to show up on film together and, or they, they will in a cameo type of way. Yeah. And I think that that's just more interesting to me and it gives the filmmakers a chance to say, we don't need to have 20 writers overseeing every little thing that happens. And there's yeah. not, like you have to have a genius level Kevin Feige to pull all of that off. And I don't think there is another Kevin Feige. I don't know if there is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and DC can do some amazing stuff without that. And I, I love that that we're seeing more of that now. And I cannot wait for um for Wonder Woman, the next, the Wonder Woman 2. That is gonna be amazing. Patty Jenkins is a genius. Mm-hmm. I just think it's better to just keep going the way they're going and don't worry about Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I agree. I I don't care about the shared universe thing. I think Marvel's doing that beautifully, yeah. and I'm deeply invested in it, and I love those characters, and I will continue to follow it, and that's great. I don't need that from Warner Brothers. I don't need it from DC. I would love to see DC, which I think they did do with Shazam and with Wonder Woman, yeah. and even Aquaman, is embrace versioning like they do totally. in the comic books. You yeah. know, like In the comics, we have Zack Snyder's Batman, Zack Snyder, we have Scott Snyder's Batman, we have Tom King's Batman, we have Sean Murphy's Batman, we have Brian Michael Bendis' Superman, we have Dan Juergens' Superman. Like, we have all these different versions, and it's fantastic to see those stories told from different voices. Exactly. And I don't care if they connect. Exactly. So, and I mean, obviously, Shazam, it does connect to the larger universe, but in sort of a subtle goofy kind of way which yeah. i think is really fun and
1: totally. t-shirts and trophies exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in superman's disembodied yeah. chest yeah. <laughs> yeah and i yeah. i
1: love that that was superman because that's the person that originally got him into the justice league to begin with and i'm yeah. like yes mm. yes that nod yeah
3: yeah
0: exactly. apparently that was zach levi's stunt double <laughs> oh really? Yeah, Perfect. <laughs> that's Who awesome. Was actually, in that costume, <laughs> that's awesome. They tried to get Henry Cavill, and he wanted to do it, but his schedule didn't he couldn't it. do it. Yeah, too much watcher. Yeah, I guess
1: <laughs> that would have been really cool, though. Like nobody yeah. would. They were like, "Oh my god."
2: <laughs> that would have been really cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you guys want to see Zach Levi face off against Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> <With> Shazam <laughs> um, versus Black Adam. It feels like we're headed that way, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I I've wanted. Um, the Rock to be Black Adam for uh, ever since they first said that. I'm sorry, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He'll, so he will always be The Rock to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's great. I think he's great. You know, him as Teth Adam, yes. And I think that that would fit really well with the vibe that they're doing with Shazam. I'd want to see his origin, you know, sorry why he went bad. They mm-hmm. don't have to Scorpion King it because this is not that, <laughs> this is not that <laughs> world anymore right. they will do it right <laughs> as we saw it, with Thaddeus so
0: and it certainly feels like we got a little nod to it in the film right when they were when Shazam was sort of using the light to tell that little story mm-hmm. and there was a quick little personification of the character he was talking about who mm-hmm. shunned it in the past that quick little animation to me did look a lot like Dwayne Johnson <laughs> Oh, yeah. that'd, be cool. that'd be awesome so I think
1: everybody a, kind of felt that. We're, I know. We're just like, just, it's like, just yes, that's what that means.
0: Yeah. And by the way, how cool is it that Juman Hansu is in both Captain Marvel films? I love
1: that. <laughs> Man, when I, when I saw him like a full, you know, full wizard, that's the time where you go full anything. Full wizard. Yeah. I was like, yes.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, I don't have any more questions. Is there anything else that you guys have been just itching to say that I haven't given you a good reason to say yet?
2: Uh, okay, I'll say I'll only say this. I talked about the kid actors and how great they were. Yeah. But um, the parents were great too. Mark Strong is kind of like, you know, he can show up to anything. And he's he elevates great. everything yeah. he does. Yeah. But- I thought that the casting of Zachary Levi and the way he pulled it off, I don't know how many actors could pull it off the way he pulled it off. Yeah, Because he seemed like Billy Batson, even though he was an adult. And most adults would just seem so cheesy doing all the things that he was doing. And the whole time you're sitting there going like, Nope, this is totally believable. If that kid turned into an adult superhero, that's who it would be. And I even knew that like going into it, I'm like, the the costume looks kind of cheesy, but then when you realize that like, it's the embodiment of sort of like a, a ridiculous superhero, it just works perfectly. So I just, from the production design from Zachary Levi's performance, there's just a lot that is really working for this movie. I, I think, even more so than Aquaman, um, this movie was really fantastic. So yeah. if you, I, I don't think, if if you listen to this whole podcast and you haven't seen it yet, first of all, you're crazy because we yeah. just spoiled everything. <laughs> but second of all, you should really go see it because it's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I
0: love how Zach has handled, um, as a celebrity, has handled being mm. in this film. Mm. Like how he talks about it and how honored he feels to be a part of it and how he's very upfront in talking about that. And I w- I wish other actors would take a note from that. Yeah. And it was fun for me personally because Jay, you know this, but my wife and I met by watching Chuck. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Zach Levi has a a special place in our relationship. <laughs> so, was there anything else you wanted to say, Mark? You? Uh,
1: sure. I'll just give a shout out to some of uh the smaller but yet stellar moments. With um, Shazam, um, Pedro coming out of the the gentleman's club and being like, "eh, not my thing."
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and- uh, really loved um, uh, when uh, Shazam was in the park and he's like, uh, you give that old lady back her purse. <laughs> and it's like, it's like <laughs> I'm your age. Like, little, little shout outs like that. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was excellent. And then um, I have to say, one of my favorites was when um, Freddie was pranking Shazam during the superhero test. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, I could not get enough of that where it's like, a, oh, teleportation test, secret fireproof test. <laughs> yeah so just little shout outs like that oh and um you know oh the the poor scientist uh researcher never knew her name that touched the door after oh. dr savannah.
3: oh yeah yeah yeah
2: it's like she's got thanos right there yeah. man. yeah like, oh, yeah it was brutal. just like
1: i really love like that dusting a dusting happened uh, in that captain yeah, marvel film so, exactly. so. <laughs>
0: i also really love the scene with when savannah is trying to they're floating in the city and Savannah's trying to oh, talk yeah. and act all tough. And Billy's like, I can't hear you. Yeah. What is he saying? Like, it's like yeah. you're literally half a mile away from me.
2: <laughs> I was really surprised that the you know, the trailers ruin so many moments these days. Yeah. And not only did the moments from the trailer still work for me, even though I'd seen them like ten times. When they occurred in the film, it was like, Oh, that's still hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, there were so many more moments that were not in the trailers that were still really enjoyable, really heartfelt, really funny. I mean, it just, it just, the whole movie is full of that. So
3: yeah,
1: it's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a great one.
1: Markia,
0: <laughs> thanks for being with us tonight.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a great talk about a movie that you can watch during the good times and the bad.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. right. Yeah, true. Um, Real quick, before we wrap up, just let everybody know where they can find you. Twitter handles, all that good stuff.
1: Uh, Yeah, Uh, well, I'm Markeia McCarty. So you can find me on Twitter um, at Markeia McCarty, M-A-R-K-E-I-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. Um, and also on Instagram uh, with the same handle. And Facebook, you know, um, pick your poison with, the, with those three. <laughs> and then also if you have DC Universe or if you want to go to the front page of DCUniverse.com, you can see me. I'm one of the hosts of uh, DC Daily. And we talk all things uh, DC there, uh, but primarily what you will find on DC Universe.
0: <laughs> and I just have to... As a lifelong DC fan, I have to throw a plug out for DC Universe. Mm. I think everybody should go get it mm. because Titans was amazing. Mm. Doom mm-hmm. Patrol is fantastic.
1: Fantastic. Young Justice fantastic.
0: was just as good as it ever was back mm-hmm. in the day. Mm. And they are doing some amazing, amazing stuff. Plus, they, they just upped the amount of comics on there like exponentially.
1: 20,000 more comics. Yes. Yeah. it's
0: crazy how much stuff you've got access to now so i guess i'm gonna have to subscribe (laughs) it is well worth it (laughs) (laughs) all right marquia thank you so much uh absolutely
1: thanks for having me all good times
2: that's it for today's show special thanks again to marquia mccarty from dc daily for joining us As Daryl mentioned at the top of the show, this is just episode one of our DCEU series. Join us next week as we fight a nerd fight over the best DCEU movie. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcasts, please share our show with a geek friend or review the Story Geeks podcast on iTunes. We're going to switch over to our aftercast. I hope you'll join us for that as well. We're going to be ranking... The DCEU villains. Get more information on our aftercast and all our other content over at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. Special thanks to these amazing people who help us produce the Story Geeks podcast by supporting us on Patreon Anthony Holder, Adam Vargas, Brianna, Bryce Cox, Connie Moe, Jessica Pritchett, Nick Procup. Jim and Mary Baldwin, Joshua Beckham, Jeremy and Kimberly Lujo, Monty Thigpen, Ray DeLeon, Samuel Peloquin, and Wade Johnson. To gain access to our aftercast and unlock more Patreon rewards, or just to support the show, please head over to thestorygeese.com for more information.